the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark, and I'm here with Larry Jones in the Healthcare Now studios, and we've got another great show teed up for tonight. What do you think, Larry? Good evening, Dr. Mark. We do have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think we're going to start. Um, we, we like to do the, uh, this month is, right? Yep. So it's February, yep. which is, you know, Valentine's month. Exactly. And so it is actually. And it fits right in fits with right Heart in. Health Month. Heart Health Month. <laughs> so we've got some yeah. things uh, where we're, we're kind of big on lists, right? So we've yep. got a list yep. of some of the ways, like what, what should you be considering during yep. Heart Health Month? And I always start with the disclosure is neither of us are cardiologists. Uh, neither of us are primary care physicians, right? But we do take our time to try to interpret what we read, and what we're reading is, is stuff that's coming out yep. of the, the the press and out of yep. magazines and whatnot uh, on online. And uh, I think it's, it's important yes. to kind of give a little background on some of these yep. things, Larry. Well, you know, Doctor Mark, we also work with thousands, tens of thousands of patients within our value based programs, and one of the big ones is heart health. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it makes sense. We talk yep. about the stats all the time about heart attack yeah and and but it's it's even more than that there's there's more than just cardiac arrest when yes. we talk about heart yep. health yeah and you know one of the things let's talk about we talk about getting your annual wellness visit and knowing your numbers right well with, let's talk about what is heart screening yeah so with the idea of yep. uh, you go to see your primary care physician and either they approach it to you or you like you know I, i've got a pretty strong family history of heart disease right uh, i know that my diet's probably not what it could be right I, how do I find out? I mean, I'll just personally, I, I mean, I've lost uh, a, a number of friends over the years so at, have I. at very young ages. I lost one at 41 years of age, yeah. Dr. Mark. So that makes you think, man, that, you know. They that, called it the Widowmaker lesion. Yeah, and I right. know that's kind of a synonym for yeah, yeah. something for, people don't understand. But, right. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a big block because yeah. you know, yeah. there, there are heart attacks and there are heart attacks. Yeah. And so, and that's know, the bad one, right? right. That, yeah. That's that's one of the yeah, that's one of the bad ones because it, it yeah. knocks off the the major arterial flow to the heart, mm-hmm. uh, just because of where the blockage yeah. is located. Mm-hmm. And you know, all that stuff makes sense. You you look at the the heart, it's plumbing, right? All the right. vasculature is right. plumbing. Right. And if you got things that are on your main line coming into your house, okay. versus something that goes to your upstairs bathroom. There, there are two different areas that are affected if you have a block. Yeah. You have a mm-hmm. block upstairs, that's just one area. Right. Same thing with a heart attack. If you have a yeah. blockage downstream, you, you may know it, right. and it could be right. a predictor of other problems. But if you have it at, at the entry point of the, yeah. the water line in your house, you probably yeah. aren't going to recover from that. Exactly. So, so, so how, do you, how do you know? I mean, short exactly. of getting invasive studies... Yep. There are a number of things that you can do to really kind of get a measurement of what your heart health is. And let's start with what the annual wellness visit does. Normally, they'll come in and they may do an EKG. Yep. They may not do it every time you go in, but yep. 
uh, in your yeah, annual it, wellness visit. Depending on your do. age, they probably yeah, do. And then they always check your carotid arteries. They listen. To, to listen to Doppler, right? right. Doppler flow. Well, no, well, they check. Actually, they don't. Uh-huh. So that's a, that's an additional thing. Okay. So, but they all, they listen. They take the stethoscope. Listen to the and, heart. And listen to the yep. heart. And they'll, they'll put it on your neck and tell yep. you to hold your yep. breath. That's right. And they're listening for abnormalities in flow. Again, that, that okay. the, the plumbing okay. kind of thing. If you got a partially yep. blocked yep. hose, you take your garden hose and you bend it a little bit. Yeah. And it starts making a different making sound. A noise. Yeah. So that's what they're listening for. Okay. Now, they're not going to pick up something that isn't – there could be a partial blockage, okay. but it has to be just enough to cause enough turbulence right. in the right. water, essentially, right. in the in the blood. Yep. And that's what they're listening for. So if that's a concern or if there are mm-hmm. any other concerns like they're thinking like you're describing sometimes, you know, I, I sort of lost vision in one eye and got a little yeah. confused and, yeah. and I was okay. If you, or even elevated heartbeat too, right? Well, well, they're one. not, that, 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 that we're, we're still, let's still stick we'll on the stay carotids. On the other. Stay on okay. carotids. Okay. So if you have some other symptoms that they're worried there might be some carotid artery disease, okay. then they're going to go to an ultrasound, a, a Doppler. Right. And okay. so, and they're very simple to do now. There are non-invasive, non-invasive, right? okay. easy to do. And there are some primary care docs, since ultrasound has come down in cost considerably, yes. they make they can do it in the office. Right. The reason they don't is you really need to have, in order to do any test, whether it's, it's invasive or not. your larger primary care practices, multi, well, but multi-doctors may, right, but, may provide that service. But the decision isn't on the size of the practice. The decision is on you just don't do all these things because okay. then you're just yep. building up cost, right? Right. right? And so we have to have, to have some responsibility for wherever it costs, if it comes from the patient, mm-hmm. it comes from insurance, it comes from government insurance, it doesn't yep. matter. Yep. You don't just, you know, take do that, that yeah. 32-year-old female that's got no heart history and do a Doppler of her carotids because exactly. she can, right? Exactly. And, and I think that's a, important to point out because physicians get a bad rap for doing unnecessary tests, yep. labs, yep. and, and it, there's, there is an excellent balance that your physician can do. And they, mm-hmm. they have a better job doing it if they see you on that annual visit right. and they have time to, like, say, well, what makes sense here? Right. So, so they do have those abilities. So that was one of the, the carotid artery screening, yep. which is which is that Doppler screening, right? And then the other one is abdominal aortic aneurysm, and we see that it's probably fairly rare, Doctor Mark. But talk about that for a minute. So this one is interesting that they put it into the heart health part, but it is part of the major plumbing, right? It's so an the, ultrasound, yeah, right? So this one, the well, the screening is an ultrasound. Okay, okay. And again, family history is really important. If you have other vascular disease, it's really important. So they're not going to just do an, a screening on anybody at a certain age. It's not common enough in, unless there's some other risk factors. But again, an abdominal ultrasound, um, even if they do that for some other reason, the ultrasonographer will look at the aorta. And what they're looking okay. for is an increased diameter. Again, we'll go back to the garden hose. Right. You know, if you've got a weakened garden hose and then it bulges out in one area, okay. when that, that's an aneurysm. Yeah. And so right. that's something that, that can be picked up. And the abdominal aortic aneurysm really uh, could lead to a ruptured aortic artery, and that'll kill well, you, right? So that Mark? well, the, the aortic aneurysm is in the abdominal aortic. It is artery. the aorta, and aorta, so yeah. so what happens? It's they actually call it a dissection, okay? Because what it's doing is it's stretching the wall of that mm-hmm. vessel, and the the wall is somewhat brittle with with calcium, mm-hmm. and so it may tear an internal part of that, and the patient would present typically with abdominal pain. And if it's not addressed very quickly, it can lead to a rupture, which doesn't necessarily mean the thing explodes. Right. But but it dissects enough, and it'll cause a, a piece of that wall to flap down and stop flow, 
anywhere beyond and you that. you could become very high right. risk. And that can happen in the thoracic aorta, which is the part that comes right off the heart. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down through the chest. And then once okay. it gets beneath okay. the diaphragm, it's called the, the abdominal aorta. So when they look at it, if somebody has a lot of issues, they may get, you may get a chest x-ray and see some abnormalities that lead you to want to look at that upper part of the aorta. Okay. So okay. there are all these things that don't just come out of the blue. Right. And, and you know, someday the costs may get to a point where if there's no radiation involved and it's easy enough to walk in that we have, you know, you walk into the, the, your office and you get a total body scan. Yep. Someday. You know, yep. we're, we're probably yep. not that far away from it. Probably but not. there's a cost to that, Larry. Very much a cost. Well, if you start finding things that are just findings and then you got to dig a deeper hole to find out if it matters – that could, there could be consequence, and a, yep. a good way to relate to that is when when CT scans, CAT scans first yep. came out, yep. they started finding lesions or abnormalities in kidneys okay. at a much higher, higher, higher rate than anyone could report, like a renal cancer. Right. Okay. So they had to go in and start saying, "Well, sir, you've got this thing. We need to take it out." Right. Well, they they found pretty quickly that if it wasn't a certain size, it was always benign. So there were those, and so, so, but they, but there was a period of a learning curve mm-hmm. that this new technology allowed them to do a bunch of stuff that was quite frankly unnecessary, but right. we didn't know it right. was unnecessary, exactly. right? So, so if we had this body scan, the follow-up could be an invasive thing, right? So, so you have to be careful what you wish for sometimes. Right. Right. And that's why people say like, well, why don't they just give me a total body MRI or a CT scan when I walk into the ER? Yeah. Well, number one, it's a cost. Yeah. And number two, it's going to lead to findings that you did not need to know about because they aren't findings that are of disease or of problems. They're just findings. Yeah, And, you know, Dr. Mark, you hit on something right there. When we talk about value-based care, one of the things that not only the payers that we work with, but our own primary care doctors, we, we monitor the referrals that our primary care docs make to cardiologists. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to tell you that once that referral is made, uh, you the, can't the screening it. is out of control. Yeah, right. And, and I'm not saying in every instance. No. Well, and, and a lot of that, that is driven not by lack of intelligence. Right. So that's driven by once, let's say that you go see your primary care doctor and you tell them that, you know, you had had some episode, you're working in the yard, had a little chest pain. So they become appropriately obligated to evaluate that. Yep. And it just becomes the point where, when are they less comfortable than saying, hey, Larry, you're fine? Yep. Or, you know, why don't you go see this consultant? Right. So you got people who like, you know, the, the fact that their doctors are sending them everywhere. That's and right. you got people that hate it. That's right. And the reality is you want to have a balance. You want your primary care doc to feel comfortable to know you well enough because you see them annually That's right. for them to say, yeah. you know, let's watch this. Yeah. But they're taking a risk both for you and for them. But it goes back to that comment you made earlier about a 32-year-old female with no heart problems. Right, right, sure. Being referred to a cardiologist. Right. And, or and, screenings. Right. So so you've got people that are more defensive, and, and as soon as someone says a, a certain buzzword, they're going to yeah. get sent somewhere else. Yeah. And that's not a great use of our system. Right. And, again, just like the get an MRI and everybody, you may – find something that, that so let's say you go see that other doctor and they're like, well, let me just repeat this EKG. You know what? You know, this shows you might have some heart enlargement. Let's go ahead and get a cardiac echo. You know, well, that showed, you know, it looks like your function here is pretty okay, but let's go ahead and get, you know, that, this, that, and the check other. It out. And at some point, someone has to put on the brakes and say, we've got all these findings. Yeah. 
with no symptoms. Yeah, we're finding, Dr. Mark, in our analysis and our data, way too many echoes are being done. Well, they're they're non-invasive, right? And you're and it's it's sort of but co- it's about an eight hundred dollar procedure. Yeah. yeah. So my argument would be mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be an eight hundred dollar procedure. That's right. Right. And I yeah. think that technology has to allow. I mean, because it's just like how much did you pay for that yeah. big screen TV and, and, you have in your house? Right. And by the way, tell our ago. listeners what an echo is. Echo is just an ultrasound. Okay. It's of just the another of the heart. Okay. Yeah. So so a cardiac echo is an ultrasound of the heart that okay. looks at not just the structure of the heart, but actually the function of the heart. Okay. And it can be very valuable. It's a yeah. good good way to measure, like if you have longstanding hypertension, mm-hmm. it's a good way to measure whether or not you're actually being harmed by that hypertension. Okay. Um, you know, and, and it's a lot of times when people are on blood medication or blood pressure medication for a mm-hmm. long time, they like to get these baseline measurements okay. to know that, quite frankly, blood pressure medicine is one of the things that has the lowest level of compliance because people don't know they don't have a symptom of having high blood pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a nice test. Yep. But again, you do find things. You find they look at your cardiac output. How well does your heart do its job? Okay. And you can learn that from that exam. Mm-hmm. And typically, like everything else, if there's any abnormality, well, that leads you to the next thing. That's going to lead you to probably a cardiac stress test. Okay. And there are different kinds of stress tests, but they're going to look to see now, do you have any issues when we stress your heart do you start having some chest pain okay and if you don't then it stops there and you go back to okay we'll go back to your wellness wellness visit in a year and we'll start this process all over well maybe five years down the line you do have some chest pain so that takes you to the more invasive evaluation dr mark this is an excellent conversation i know we're going to take a break and come back and continue talking about February being Heart Health Month. Great discussion. We're going to talk a little bit about what peripheral artery disease and AFib is when we come back, Dr. Mark. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. It's Healthcare Now with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Join us at 7 o'clock Thursday evenings for a great discussion on all things healthcare. Healthcare Now, Thursday nights at 7, and now Healthcare Now Extra, Saturdays at 11 a.m., only here on The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You have found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones in the Healthcare Now studio. We are going to part two of February being uh, Heart Health Month. Yes. And uh, we, we're going to talk about, uh, I think you said. Let's per- talk about peripheral, peripheral artery. artery disease. Yeah, so PAD. Right. You know, Dr. Mark, you talk about the plumbing of the heart. That's really kind of where we're going. 100%. But I think peripheral artery disease, and I'm just going to throw this out here and then let you talk about it, is plaque buildup in the lower extremities. It's, it can be okay. upper, but yes, way more okay. common to be lower, right? Okay. Um, and so this associates with heart disease because people who have one are much more likely to mm-hmm. also have the other, right? So w- mm-hmm. so someone with a bad heart, let's say, um, I'll air quote bad heart, might present with leg pain that they okay. get when they go for a, a walk or walk up the stairs. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about knee pain, hip pain. I'm talking right. about a particular type of pain. Usually now, are we talking a, about like tingling, like a numbness in the no, legs? Pain. or We're talking about actual pain. pain. Yeah, you actually okay. have pain, like an ache, more toothachey, deep okay. pain. Okay. It's often in the calf, Okay. Um, but but it can be anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's most commonly like in the calf muscles, mm-hmm. and, and it, it becomes quite specific. People can 
say that I get this when I go up this many stairs or when I walk mm-hmm. this far. Like, okay, we're here in Florida. There's a golf course on every corner. Right. And so you got a lot of golfers out here. Yeah. And if they find that, you know, after they've played golf, if they are walking, that they, they, they translate their legs hurt, their legs hurt yep. and they're like, you know, I'm going to get a golf cart. Hey, smart, but maybe check That's that out not the too. problem. Yeah. Because you're now yeah. going to delay your diagnosis because yeah. then you're saying, you know, it really only hurts yeah. when I have to go uphill yeah. to get it to the green to finish yeah. the, you know. Yeah, you it's know, not so. I didn't exercise much. You got a problem maybe, peripheral artery right. disease. Right, right. Yeah. So peripheral artery diseases, as you said, it's, it's a, a blockage or atherosclerosis mm-hmm. of the vessels, the arteries that, mm-hmm. that go outside. It's peripheral, right, outside mm-hmm. that central area. So you've got cardiac atherosclerosis. Where the heart, I'm sorry, the arteries of the heart, the coronary arteries are right. affected, okay. and peripherally, okay. you've got this, right? Now, so, how would they diagnose peripheral artery disease, Doctor Mark? So that's that wonderful ultrasound again, okay. right? So there, okay. there, there are some functional tests where they measure pressures. Sort of, it looks like they're doing a blood pressure test, mm-hmm. but what they're really doing is seeing how much pressure it takes to occlude to stop blood flow. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds really painful. It's not, uh, and the, but. Really, most specifically, they do a Doppler scan where okay. they can see the blood flow and they can follow along. It's it's again back to the plumbing. They're they're each the pipes. The further away from the heart you get, the smaller the pipe gets, and the more branches. And they can see what's going on there. Yeah, you know, Doctor Mark, I can see our listeners are saying, "Well, wait a minute. You mentioned numbness in my leg. When I'm sitting there and I've got my leg crossed and I get up and my foot went to sleep, that's not peripheral artery disease. Correct? No, no, you can. It can be." It can be part of that, but okay. it can also much more likely, again, if you don't have heart disease, you don't smoke, and you're under 55 years old, okay. and that happens, way more likely that it's going to be positional kind of thing. Ra- you kind of cut than, the blood flow yeah, off of one of your not, Well, not even necessarily the blood flow, okay. uh, but just you've kind of tweaked the nerve or, okay. you, or you've diminished okay. flow. You've just changed it up. That's you know, so important, Dr. Mark, yeah. because people experience that all the time. Sure. Very, very, very yeah. common, yeah. Yeah. but you really can almost test it by – by saying, you know, I'm going to take take a walk, you know, and, okay. and, and I mean, don't push yourself. But that's when you, right. you go, you, these are the things that you mention to your primary care doctor at the annual visit. And they ask mm-hmm. you very why, hey, well, how have you been? What are you doing? What are your activities? Right. Are you still playing golf? You know, right. and, right. And, and, and if you say, no, I stopped. And well, why'd you stop playing golf? If you, if you say, ah, it just got too expensive, but it's really because physically. You feel good after you're, you played you're, golf. You're yeah. taking a risk. You've now right. just, you've now just lost the opportunity yeah. to have somebody objectively I wish evaluate that was why you. I'm not playing golf right now. No, we're just terrible. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> just don't have time. Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, so so that's peripheral artery disease. Okay. Very, very common. And again, yeah. if you have been diagnosed with PAD, your risk of cardiac issues is higher than the general population. Okay. Because it's, it's essentially the yeah. same process, okay. just a different location. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about one more, and then I want to talk about some steps to prevent heart disease since it is Heart Health Month. But AFib, Dr. Mark, seems to be rampant these days. Well, it's not really any more common. It's just that it is the most common arrhythmia of all cardiac arrhythmias. Okay. And it's also one that's very important because what it does, so it's atrial fibrillation. You've got four chambers of the heart. Two of those are at the atria. Okay. And the, in the atria, the blood flow velocity and the pressures are lower than in the ventricle. Okay. So if you have the blood and you have you have fibrillation, which means it's not squeezing uniformly and, and it squeezes, the ventricle fills, then the valve closes and the ventricle fills, okay. uh, ventricle squeezes, everything, yep. everything works long as I'm with you. Yep. So if those two upper chambers, mainly 
there's the, the one important one. Right. Uh, the upper chambers start to fibrillate or or vibrate essentially and not okay. squeeze, just okay. almost almost seize. Then the blood flow is completely abnormal. You get stagnant blood flow. You get areas in that chamber where the blood isn't flowing, and and you can make a clot. Okay. So because blood only clots when it's not moving. Okay. Right. So you can get a clot, and the problem with that clot is. If it does then pass through and goes through the ventricle, it can go, depending on which atria it is, either lung, to the brain, lung or anything. the brain. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So so it's it's either one or the other typically because right. of which chamber it is. Right. But but that's why atrial fibrillation is so dangerous and needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, it's also very treatable. So we right. love things that are very treatable. And, yep. and yep. so we can yep. really make an impact on someone if you treat them early. Right. You might be able to catch it before there's any clot. Right. Because if you don't catch it before the clot, you got to deal with the clot. Exactly. And that's a whole yeah. other level of, of and, issue. And, you know, AFib increases the risk of stroke, they say, by five times. But in reality, what are the symptoms that you might have AFib, Dr. Moore? So AFib is you'll have a an elevated or irregular heartbeat. And sometimes okay. you can feel that. Like you, you can feel, feel a pressure yeah. like in your neck or you can't okay. get your breath. Okay. But quite frankly, um, I would say probably one of the top things now is people that have these smartwatches, um, some of them are actually FDA approved to yeah. evaluate and, to, and tell you yeah. that you might, they're to not going to tell you for sure. Yeah. You, you, well, no, they tell you, if yeah. it says you got atrial fib, possibly, mm-hmm. you need to go right in and get evaluated. Okay. And that's, the FDA okay. has been pretty strong, you know, with the, with the Apple watch. Right. Now, now the Apple watch, everybody, everybody's seen the, the uh, little portable EKG, different machines, yep. and you put your fingers yep. here or there. Yep. They're, they're certainly not anywhere near the sensitivity of a a 12-lead EKG that you have at the office, but it's important enough to pick it up and get it evaluated, yeah. and, and, and there, the technology is such that we do see these abnormalities, and this is the one arrhythmia that the FDA has said that that device can actually sense. And so what it'll tell you, it'll come up and say, your your Apple Watch has identified a concern. You know, see your doctor. I mean, literally, literally, I've seen people with that with right. that uh, that conversation. Okay, you know, we've talked about heart screening, Doctor Mark. What a great conversation for our listeners. They just don't get this kind of information just anywhere. Well, it, well, it takes time. I mean, yeah. we we've taken you know we've taken a good part of a half hour. Yeah. to just yeah. discuss these few yeah. things, and that's longer than your annual visit, right? Or even your visit with your yeah. cardiologist if you're referred to one. Right. So you, you really have to you kind of have to prep yeah. for these things. You have to yeah. you have to take a survey of yourself yeah. and say, yeah, these things happen. You know, I've been getting a lot of headaches. I've been getting a right. lot of, you know, right. Right. whatever's going on, yeah. you almost need to, if you don't mentally do, put it in a diary, right. write it down right. and say, the, you know, some of the primary care doctors are probably screaming right now. They're going to have somebody come in with a, an encyclopedia of complaints. But of course. at the same time, yeah. You know, if there are things that, things exactly. that, that are changing, yeah. you want to want to really, really what matters to the patient. That's yeah, what the absolutely. physician needs absolutely. to know. Well, you know, there's there's two things when we talk about knowing your numbers. Yep. One of them's blood pressure. The other is cholesterol. Yes. Those are two of the big ones. Right. That right. We talk about which fits right into heart screening and right. heart evaluation. Right. It's part of that yeah. cardiovascular yeah. health, and because yeah. some some make some situations worse, some yeah. are the the cause of those situations. Yeah. Well, let's quickly talk about some of the preventative things you can do. To uh, the Mayo Clinic and mm-hmm. also the American Heart Association has put out eight things, eight steps to prevent heart disease. Doctor Mark, gee, only eight, only eight, not ten. They didn't do ten. Not ten. They okay. didn't do ten. All right. But the first one is pretty obvious. Control your portion size in your diet. Yep. 
Yeah, we we yeah we've kind of talked about that in our nutrition segments, oh, yeah. and really, really very, very important. Very and, important. And you know, suggest that you kind of look up and say exactly what that is. It's not yeah. all you can eat. That's no, that's that's no. the key. Well, you know, and and everybody knows what I'm fixing to say. There's a certain point in time when you're eating, you feel full. That's when you but should you stop. keep eating because there's more food on your right, plate. Right, right. That's when the mental part has to kick in right. to control your stop eating. Yeah. And next time we have Dr. Yeah. Dovic on, she'll give us some good pointers on she how to will. approach she that. She really will. Yeah. And, and really, the next two mm-hmm. are kind of related. Eat more vegetables and fruits and select more whole grains. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So yep. so those are things that take a little shopping time. Yep. Um, the, they, you know, some people will say, well, you know, it, it just cost more. It, things aren't. I mean, everything kind of does cost more. I have to, no uh, question. You know, but but whole grains, not really. In fact, you I can, just saw an article on that, Doctor Mark. The average family of four is spending, on average, three hundred dollars a month more on food today. Yeah. No, no, than they no were doubt. A year ago, no doubt. You go to the grocery store, yeah. and yep. and it, it that that's been very apparent right right yep. post COVID. Yep. And so that and it's not not going back down. Yeah, you but, come out of the grocery store and you've got two little bags and it cost you sixty bucks. Yeah. Well, what did I buy? Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you bought fruits, vegetables, and That's some whole right. grains. That's right. Now the other big one, number yeah, four, talk about is, fats. Yeah, there there are good fats and there are bad fats, right? Mm-hmm. So there's some unhealthy fats, and I won't get into the chemistry and bore everybody. Right. But but you know they'll 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 they're on the labels. They're in all the things that we shouldn't eat, like yep. you know yep. you know red meats and bacon. And you know, it's certain yep. Crisco yep. oil yep. and uh, a lot of red know, meat. Yeah, and so yep. that that those are things that you want to yep. avoid and try to try to stay. And if you're going to the extreme, you know, going on the, a plant based or a plant and fish based diet can really really help. Yeah, and you know that goes right back to again knowing your cholesterol level. Yep, yep, right to that, Doctor Mark. And so then choose low fat protein sources. Yeah, now, what does that mean? So I want to make I want to make it very clear that. Low fat isn't always a good thing. Like low fat yogurt okay. is less healthy than regular yogurt. Yeah, I don't okay? eat yogurt. Yeah, you should eat yogurt. It's a good should thing. Should I eat yogurt? Yeah, you should definitely eat yogurt. Okay. And so, but but low fat yogurt, they have to replace the fats with things that make it sweet mm-hmm. or make it satisfying. And those are those unhealthy fats typically, or mm-hmm. or uh, you know other other artificial sweeteners can also be in there. So low fat protein yeah. sources. Yeah. What that means is, I, like I said, either plant based protein, mm-hmm. fish. Fish um, in it, particular. Yeah, it, um, so there are certain yeah. kinds of meats that are better than others. Um, the you know beef is definitely the highest in cholesterol, yep. but you know there are other meats. There's yep. there's venison. There's buffalo. Yep. There's elk. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about more expensive meats. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, but much you know, better for tell, you. I mean, we live in Florida. Fish and seafood is available everywhere. But so, the key is don't fry it. Well, don't fry it. And That's a lot right. of the seafood, like the shellfish, are very high in cholesterol. So scallops, yep. Yep. shrimps. Shrimps, scallop, shrimp, shrimp lobster yeah. uh, are high in cholesterol, so you want to take them in moderation. Yeah. All right, yeah. and and there are even some fish like the Chilean sea bass got super popular. Mm-hmm. That's got as much cholesterol in as as, as some steaks. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's really right. high in cholesterol, right. Right. and that's why it's so delicious. It's, sure. it's high fat, sure. right? Yeah. But there are better fats. The, the most of the fish oil fats are actually very yeah. very healthy. And, and you know, the last one, Doctor Mark, is reduce salt, sodium, and and. You can talk about that for a second because we're running out of time here. Yeah. But but so, then plan ahead for your meals right. so that you not only can do it cost-effectively, but you can do it efficiently. Exactly. And, and that so you can avoid just running out and uh, spending a bunch of money at, at, the, at the health food store because 
I'm sorry, a health food store at an unhealthy place, a fast yeah. food, yeah. and as opposed to going to the health food store exactly. or your, you know, and your regular groceries now have a good healthy section, and the, mm-hmm. they've come you know a little more comparable in prices to their regular things. So really do that, but but really look into what you're eating, decrease your fats um, as as far as the bad fats, but keep the good fats in there. And uh, great know, conversation, that's Dr. Good stuff. Mark. I, I Good stuff for our, our I, listeners. I hope somebody took notes. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. It's Healthcare Now with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Join us at 7 o'clock Thursday evenings for a great discussion on all things healthcare. Healthcare Now, Thursday nights at 7, and now Healthcare Now Extra, Saturdays at 11 a.m., only here on The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. We're in the Healthcare Now studio, and we're going to uh, chit-chat about something uh, very salient to today's conversation. This is something from our local unnamed newspaper written by an unnamed editor uh, or editorial piece, uh, a journalist. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you start it off, Larry. But I I have to tell you, you brought it to me – and I, I don't, I, it's really, really not good. It's, well, you know, we talk about Misleading. this show all the time. We're not political, but it's the truth about U.S. health care. And when we see things that we feel is completely opposite of what the patient, the consumer should be looking at, then we're going to bring it to the studio. Yeah, and this, this isn't at all political. No, right? not at this, all. This yep. is about yep. misinformation yep. Yep. and someone who's taking a piece of the information yep. and going, oh, this is really bad, and this is why, so you should just do this, and yep. not yep. looking at the fine pieces right. of this puzzle. Yeah, well, let me put this together. Yeah, the go title ahead. of the article in the editorial in the Orlando Sentinel on Sunday was Ensure Losses May Squeeze Medicare Advantage Plans. Now, let me give right. you the facts Mm-hmm. Yes. Right now, 52% of the 66 million people in Medicare are in Medicare Advantage yes. plans. So, so this is affecting a lot of people. That's right. And not only is it growing the fastest, in the last five years, 70% of the 10,000 beneficiaries a day that are joining Medicare are joining Medicare Advantage, Dr. Yeah. Mark. Yeah, it's moving yeah. quickly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'll go ahead and say, and that's not to say yeah. that it's right. That's right. You know, that's, right. that's not to say that just because, you know, when when uh, when Philip Morris came out and with their their latest cigarette with menthol yep. that, the, that the, everybody started smoking. That's not a good yep. thing. Yep. But in this case, this article is making right. it sound like it's a bad thing. Like, oh, my God, yep. it's grown so fast. And look at this. They're losing money. Yep. Well, here's the, the piece that bothered me. Yeah. You know, we went through open enrollment period, October 15th to December 7th. Yes. That makes you effective on whatever you choose. January 1st. January 1. Mm-hmm. But then you have until March 31st to make a change. Yeah, if you feel like, if you, feel like you, expected, you made the wrong you can decision. Move out. Yep. It's February 4th, this article, and she's telling everybody you have until March 31st to go back to straight Medicare. Yeah, she's she's making all the reasons yep. that don't make sense. I mean, there, yep. there are things of of relative concern, but to tell the client to jump back into yep. so let's take let's take a uh, let's let's do let's do the you, you're really good at this this mm-hmm. kind of uh, calculation. Yep. So we got a, a husband and wife, both over sixty five. Yep. Yep. Uh, they're they are on Medicare so Advantage a Humana plan. Yeah, they yep. join a yep. Medicare Humana, Humana yep. right? Okay, and yep. so now. Um, 
Tomorrow, they see this they article. See this article yep. They make a phone call, and they're on straight Medicaid. And they say, I need to go back to straight Medicaid. What are, what are they going to see well, next not month? Not only are they still paying their 170.10 out of their Part B Social Security, right. now they're picking up a $250 each supplement yep. and a Part D drug plan for over 100 bucks. Unless... They're not giving good advice, and they say, no, I just want straight Medicaid. And they don't do those things, and, and now they're, they're not 20% covered. 20% at risk exactly. for every dime they spend on Medicare. So we've agreed yep. that these Medicare Advantage plan ex- ex- explanations are complicated, yep. right? We, we yep. agree on that. Yep. So think how good it's going to seem when they go, oh, well, that's simple. That's like I just, yep. you know, I just traded in my Learjet. Yep. For right. you know a, a paddle boat because exactly. it wor- it's easier to work. Yeah. Well, you know? there's another piece of this too, Doctor Mark. I don't the have a list yet, by the way. But the additional uh, you may have one day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the additional programs like dental, vision, hearing, transportation. Yeah. You don't get that in straight Medicare aside from the drugs. Yeah. All these other oh, things yeah, that, that you're going to likely need, or you're going to end up paying another premium for. Yeah. yeah. What, what's the stat? This I'll take it off topic here. Do you know the stat for? How many people over age, say 65, are on a prescription medication? The average over age 65 are on four medications. Okay. The average. Okay. The average. Yeah, the average. Okay. So that's so, a lot. So half the population is yeah. on the, yeah. uh, that population. Yeah. So that's so, so it's a big and number. Some of them are 10, 12 medications. Yeah, yeah. 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 When my dad came to live with us at age 85, mm-hmm. he was on nine meds. Yeah. Yep. To, my wife, being a nurse, took him to his first primary care doctor. At the end of that, he had one med. Yep. They dropped eight of them. Yep. Yep. And how many of our senior citizens today need a patient advocate or a family member to do that for them? Well, I'll tell you, that's the Medicare pays for a, a prescription analysis visit. And they can do that yep. at your primary yep. care visit, or the, you, do, you can do that at your primary yep. care as yep. separate from your annual visit. Yep. That's a covered visit right. is to, to regulate exactly, exactly. that. Exactly. Because, yeah. It's called so, medication adherence. Yeah, medication uh, adherence. Medication adherence. And, you know, I don't want to get off the Medicare, but let me just mention one quick thing. Just this past February 1st, CMS announced that they are now offering their prescription drug companies on pricing for the 10 initial drugs that they're going to include in this Inflation Reduction Act. It's called the Medicare Drug Price Negotiation Program. Right. And they're throwing out the first 10 drugs to all the pharma companies to see what kind of pricing yeah. they just, can just get. Just to be clear, throwing out yeah. means they're get, they're letting them know. Yeah. So they're yeah. saying these are the ones. So, so it's a neg- the negotiation the is price. going to begin. Yeah. On those 10 drugs. But they're not going to be effective until January 1, 2025. Because yeah, I guess it takes that long. I know. And I yet know. they passed this legislation, what, in March of 21 or yeah. 2? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. lightning fast. It's, yeah. go, it's going at the speed right. of legislation. This is and, great. But, but again, I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think important. we should have taken important. the top 50 drugs yes. that people, not 10 at a time. Well, and the problem becomes by the time this is enacted, and is it, this was very important to someone on the Hill previously yeah well a lot of those people aren't going to be there anymore that's right so it can go in either direction we may lose the 10 or we may gain another 50 i mean we just we just don't know right but hopefully this goes well and we see some results yeah well let's talk about let's go back to medicare and talk about this article and then talk about the other side the two big reasons that this columnist was talking about uh insurers losses may squeeze medicare advantage is number one they call the word upcoding Right. And then the other one, she calls it a scheme. Yes. So so we've talked that about. That is completely, completely wrong, Dr. Yeah. Mark. So what, what you have to accept from minute one is the Medicaid rate for your general 
level one visit does not remunerate enough to cover the costs of that medical office. Okay. And we understand that. So what Medicare has done is they have set levels of intensity for care and they have sent levels of how, let's just say how complex Mm -hmm. the patient is. Right. So if you're seeing somebody that walks in, well visit, no meds, no complaints, no nothing, eats mm-hmm. well, does everything well, that's going to be a quick and easy thing. You shouldn't get paid as much as if you see somebody that has COPD, heart disease, right. on 12 medications, and, and there's a lot of things that's that right. you need to talk about. That's exactly so right. So Medicare, CMS, yep. said that's right, that's fair. Then this, this goes way back. I mean, these All the way back to 1984, right. Dr. Mark. So we yep. have these, these things called chronic care management codes that's right. that you, you tag technically on. Technically, they're called HCC codes, right. but that's exactly what they are, yep. chronic care management, yep. hierarchical condition categories. There you go. And, and then each member, each patient, by the coding that you build to the highest level of specificity, you get what you call a Medicare risk adjustment number. Right. So she's yeah. saying, I, I just let the gender out, but yeah. the, the columnist yeah, is saying, okay. yeah, the columnist <laughs> is saying that this is a scheme. Yeah. And I'm not sure who's scheming because yeah. it was made up by CMS and used by the physicians for a good reason. That's basically like saying when you go get your oil changed. If you're going to get the cheapest oil or the most expensive oil, you should you should just pay one price for it. Well, that that oil place is going to go out of business because everybody's right. going to choose the more expensive oil, and and if they're only getting paid for the cheapest yeah. oil, that ain't that ain't going to fly. Well, you know, she's quoting something in here that she took completely out of context, and she says Shocking. that the federal budget forecasts that Medicare Advantage overpayments between 2023 and 2033 will be $1.56 trillion. Dr. Mark, the numbers don't add up to that. No, of course not. And yeah. it's not an overpayment if it's appropriately coded. That's right. An okay. overpayment would be if I coded you at a two and you paid me for a six. Okay? Yeah. That's an overpayment. Now, there's also false payments where I code you at a six and you should have been a two. Yeah. Right? So and there is there is always That, that happens. That yeah. absolutely. Medicare. And, yeah. and one of the arguments on the the governmental side is that they have not been great at capturing the fraud. That's right. And I guess you can but say that about anything. they're also not great in capturing the chronic care codes either. Well, right. Which, which is, is what right. you said so earlier. It kind of, there, there's a That's little right. bit of a balance out there yeah. because there are providers who are – they don't have the nuance of doing this or they feel like they're they're wasting their time because it's not going to be that much. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, so in Medicaid – Mm-hmm. Um, I once got a letter from one of the Medicaid companies saying that I I was undercoding. Wow! That too many of my my initial visits were lower codes. That and, almost never happens, yeah, Doctor Mark. And, but but what happens is it sees an algorithm. So it's yeah. it's really the algorithm is set up to show any anomaly against mm-hmm. the normal pattern. Yeah. So a normal yeah. like pediatrician, which I'm not, right. would see these certain things. And so you know I just answered that. Well, I'm a surgeon. I'm a surgeon. And yeah. so my yeah. initial yeah. visit. I don't really have to take into consideration all right. the things right. for my visit time, and I'm trying to be fair. But then other people say, like, you know, but if I code the lowest code, mm-hmm. they're never coming after me because there's right. all the stories, and they're, they're true, yeah. where people have been either accidentally or on purpose yeah. fraudulently coding, and they may get a letter and uh, more than just a letter from Medicaid well, or Medicare to say that you owe us X oh, number of dollars. there have been physicians that have been sanctioned 
by yes. Medicare and yes. the OIG on yep. the red. Yep. But, you know, the idea behind Medicare Advantage plans, Dr. Mark, was to control waste, fraud, and abuse, discourage low-value services, and avoid unnecessary and potentially harmful care. But the difference is some of these people feel that Medicare Advantage companies have become too pay- too big, too powerful, with a profit motive instead of a patient care motive. They do have a profit motive, That's and right. I talk about this That's all right. the time. Yep. Everybody outside the provider is completely profit-share-driven. That's right. I'm, I'm That's sorry. Right. That, I, that's that's the way it is. That's the way now, it is. I'm not telling you that everybody that works at a hospital or everybody that works at pharma doesn't care. They do. But if you've got a board of directors, they need to know yep. that you're making money, right? That's right. And so so I'm not going to fault these companies for coming in and be being better at managing yep. The clients, yep. because what what do you and I know, Larry? Yep. If they're better at managing them, yep. there's going to be better health outcomes. Yeah, well, let's talk about making money. The federal government, if you're in any kind of a Medicare or Medicaid program, you have to maintain a certain reserve to be what they call solvent. Right. If you don't make a profit to build that reserve, you're not going to be in the business very long, no, Dr. Right, Mark. Right, right, right. So it's more than just – It's more than just keeping the lights on yeah, or, just keeping or the lights being on. able to – oh, well, he's got that's a really exactly fancy right. car. Or, yeah. that, or that Learjet that I don't yeah. have. That's another In one. 1995, there were six HMOs that CMS put out of business because they didn't have the reserve. Right. They couldn't cover, couldn't that, cover that, that, do, that downside yeah. risk. Yeah. Yep. Now, that, that really makes sense, Larry, but yeah. this, this is a misleading article. Very much and, so. And the reason we're so ticked off about it is – I can tell you, people are going to read this, and they're going to make a phone call. Exactly. And, and Medicare is already complicated as enough, and we've talked about this for the entire time we've been on the air. This is this yeah. is like a this is a yeah. double down bad decision, and I you know I don't know maybe maybe Larry maybe you need to write a letter to the editor. I may I may I think that'd be a really good I idea that'd actually be good that'd idea. be a good idea or yeah. I'll send them our recording. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, that'll work. <laughs> yeah. All right, what are we going to talk about when we come back? Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Medicare, and then we're going to get into uh, the t- trends for leadership in healthcare going into 2024. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. It's Healthcare Now with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Join us at 7 o'clock Thursday evenings for a great discussion on all things healthcare. Healthcare Now, Thursday nights at 7, and now Healthcare Now Extra, Saturdays at 11 a.m., only here on The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones in the Healthcare and All Studios. We're going to do our last segment of the day. Yes. And really went I know. That fast, I know. I'm, I'm still, my heart rate's still a little bit up from that last thing. That article? I mean, yeah. it's just so impactful in a negative way. Yeah. You do have to write a letter. Well, the, the thing that is, and, and let me just talk about this for a second. We spend hours on the air educating Medicare beneficiaries to this Medicare program, which is super complex. And then we get an article. A 300-word article. Yeah. And then we get an article that can impact one in four people in Florida. Yes. Which is over, what, what, we have 22 million people. What's that by four? Over 5 5 million million people. people, And saying, get out of Medicare Advantage and go back to straight Medicare. Man, I I tell you, we're fired up about this. What what about all these MA plans out there? They must, uh, you may not. You could probably write a letter and it won't get published because I bet every one of them is writing a letter. I would think so. I mean, because yeah. uh, yeah. this, this is, it's really slander. 
Yeah, I mean well, it's it's yeah, bad. I, and, and it's bad. It, it's bad advice. Is what it, it is. Well, it's bad it advice. is. It it is slander to the Medicare Advantage. Companies, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but in reality, it's just poor advice mm-hmm. to a complicated situation that already exists. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, all right. And you know while we're, we're talking about Medicare, Doctor Mark mm-hmm. Cigna. If you remember, Humana and Cigna tried to merge. Yeah. Last year, and the OIG shut that down. Yep. Well, evidently, Cigna announced this week that they are going to sell their Medicare business to Healthcare Service Corp. Who's that? Healthcare Service Corp, believe it or not, is the largest Medicare uh, Advantage group in the country. They manage multiple Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, But in Florida, they don't manage the Blue Cross. So it's going to be a new entry for Cigna here in Florida. Interesting. Okay. And they're selling that for about $3.3 billion. Interesting. And the interesting part was Cigna generated $12 billion in revenue last year, even though they lost about $4 million on their Medicare Advantage plan just here right. in Florida. So, so, so they, 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 they're thinking, obviously, both these entities feel like this is a an administrative issue. Exactly. It's not yeah. a risk issue. Yeah. Well, um, they, it's not going to take effect until first quarter of 2025. And you know we are we have a contract with Cigna Medicare for thousands of lives yeah. in our own group. So, they're so all that's going to spin over to Healthcare Services Corp. But I think the big thing with uh, Cigna is not only when they negotiated the sale to HCSC Healthcare Services Corp, they negotiated that their Express Scripts Pharmacy Management Company would be the entity managing it, and also their EverNorth which is their care management program, will be a significant part of the new plan as well. So Cigna not only dumped their 600,000 Medicare lives, they got two of their most uh, structural programs like PBM and care management into the program with HCSE. Okay, so they're getting rid of that too? Or no, they're, no, they're, they're using just going to. Oh, they're going to be able ACS to. ACS is going to lease so it from Cigna. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm with you. So yeah. that makes sense. But now, and one thing, Cigna's still going to keep their commercial line and continue to work and promote that. But now, is HCSC uh, mm-hmm. West Coast where where, where, where uh, Texas based? Where they right based now? Of? They provide coverage in Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas. Mm-hmm. But now they're trying to get their footprint more in the East Coast. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I wonder where they're uh, where they're. Headquarters is. I think their headquarters are in Dallas. Got it. That yeah. would make sense yeah. with, yeah. Their, with that spread. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's uh, that's that's a, that's an interesting, interesting update. Article. Interesting yeah. update. You know, Doctor Mark, coming into and I can't believe it's already February. What happened to January? I'm telling you. <laughs> but anyway, healthcare forecast 2024. We're still talking about it, and uh, the Government Institute for eBriefings, meaning eHealth, has put out some takeaways. For board members, senior leadership, and even physicians regarding trends for healthcare forecasts for 2024. Okay, so leadership trends. The leadership Mm -hmm. trends. You know, the first one is, and we've talked about it so much, Dr. Mark, workforce challenges and labor unrest will continue. Yeah, there's no question about it. I was actually talking to uh, a colleague who was up up on Capitol Hill, actually, and was talking Uh to some uh, senators and congresspeople, and they were talking about workforce challenges in healthcare. Uh, and in both in the provider side and the nursing mm-hmm. side. And so especially the, the area that they were most concerned about were their rural coverages and that yep. they, they were not getting coverage in their rural areas. Yep. And so this is something that we, That's you a know, big one. yeah, we may uh, have a, a further discussion about yeah. 
uh, on well, health equity yeah. and uh, resources in access, rural access, access, it's access, yep. access. I mean, yep. we lost a bunch of those hospitals. Yep. And I think yep. the the fear is any solution might just support a hospital that's yep. not going to do well, yep. as opposed to you know what 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 is it they really need? Yep. And and anytime anytime politics and medicine mix, you get you get a little bit nervous. But at the same time, uh, if if we can, if we if they can get good advice, that would be that would be yeah. right, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, you know, during the pandemic, we lost a hundred rural hospitals, and it's projected between now and twenty thirty, we're going to lose five hundred more. Yeah, yeah. It was only hundred. I thought it was like two hundred, two hundred fifty. It was a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then, but the projection is another five hundred yeah. are either going to close, merge, or be, be uh, or, acquired. You know, yeah. Be acquired. Yeah. 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 Second one, Doctor Mark, and I just heard on the news the other day, and it was pretty. Uh, reliable. There were eight hundred thousand cybersecurity hits on healthcare during the month of January. Yeah, whenever I talk to people in that industry, the number of like so they sort of measure their yep. effectiveness by the number of attacks they were able to ward yep. off. Yep. And I can't even pretend to understand yep. how they know what they know. It's automated, you know, and, and to, to most degrees yep. it's automated, but it's it's like per minute. Yeah. I mean, it's an unbelievable number yeah. of threats well, that occur. Yeah. Well, two things. There's a health system right now that's fighting it that haven't been able to get their health patient records back on file. Right. But then HCA, the senior vice president of HCA told me personally, they get a million hits a day. That's crazy. Is that, that insane? Should, yeah, that really of course, they're is. the largest health system yeah. in the country. I, but a million cyber hits a day? I think LifeLock just announced discovering the largest single breach financial breach in history a week uh-huh. or two ago right. and so yeah this is this is so the prediction was that that these threats are going to persist and worsen yeah it's kind of hard to deny that isn't it it is the the other one is value-based care is going to continually be tweaked but i think it's interesting that just this week dr mark cms just launched a new website aiming to explain value-based care to providers over and the public talking about continued commitment to the agency's goal to have all traditional Medicare patients in a value-based program by 2030. Well, all those years ago that you and I sat down and talked about developing this value-based program, I told you that my feeling was about every five years, whatever the current model is, is it changes, right? right. That's right. But this felt like something that was going to stick. I remember you saying that. it works for everybody. You said this is not a fad. Yeah, and so now we're... We're ten years out, and, yep. and and it's kind of funny the way they they say it's going to value based care will evolve slowly That's and right. be re, refined, yep. not redefined, but refined, and so and follow so, the money, so follow the money, yeah. And yeah. but that's why it works if you can get it, and and it's the beauty is in when when the result of an investment saves you money. Yep. That's when you're going to win, and that's what value based does. Yep. Because investing the time to create the value based system, which isn't expensive, yep. but that yep. does take some time, yep. and it what we find is if you follow it, the patient's outcomes improve. Yep. If their outcomes improve, yep. well, you're happy about that, but you're even happier that the system spends less money. Because yeah, if you're doing better, you're doing better. Yeah, you're well, not if spending you money. Remember, they've talked about the triple aim in value based care yeah, for a long for time: a long time yep. reduced cost, improved access, and better outcomes. Yep. And and those are all they're not it's not just a triple aim. It's no. it's really one thing. It is. It, it all it piles on the on yep. itself. So that's yep. that's really great. That's and really you know, great. I think we've already talked about it, but efforts to improve this diversity and address social determinants of health is definitely going to be a mainstay in value based care moving forward, Dr. Mark. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're having some issues with, with pushback on the education side. Of it, it, I'll just go ahead and state that this is an important piece to keep in your medical schools, your nursing schools, your PA schools, because if your clients are in, in an area of, of diversity and, and, you know, social determinants of health are, are concerned, mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're educating your providers yep. And the best, one of the best ways to do that is to actually include providers that come from these places. Yes. Right. And it's, yep. and we've been doing this for some years We have, and it's working about 10 years and, and, yep. but we're getting some, we're getting some governmental pushback, which is of great concern. And again, that drives us into that political side that we want to yep. avoid, but yeah, really important. Really yeah, well, important. You know, social determinants of health are very important uh, survey that we do with all patients but, you know, the thing that I think is still up in the air, and we're going to see some congressional work on this because CMS is trying to systematize the quality metrics among all different plans. And one of the things that I've said and you and I've talked about many times is are the quality metrics that we are imposed to do in value-based care, are they really creating better health? Well, the, we you also talk, we, yeah, yeah, we also talk about, but it's a measurement, right? And sometimes, right. sometimes the measurement, you can take the temperature and figure things out. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. so I think what's important here is, is like healthcare is regional. And if CMS tries to make it a national measurement, yeah. somebody's going to suffer because those sets of measurements are going to make sense in one place, but not in another. Good right. Point. Good and, point. And, and the social determinants of health come into play here, economics come into play, population density comes into play, who is providing the health care, are we talking about these Kentucky rural areas Mm -hmm. that don't have have coverage, or are we talking about big, you know, so so I think you leave it to the people who are following the money Mm -hmm. to figure out what it is they want to measure, because so so long as the outcomes are getting better, what more can you ask, I guess you could ask for them getting more better, I don't know, Exactly. so so it is. That's that gets a little that gets a little yeah. freaky. Well, you know, know, the one thing that disturbed me, you know, we're in this Medicare CMS ACO Reach program, which is the newest Medicare ACO program. And when we were doing our social determinants of health, and then the survey came back from the uh, CVS Health, who we're partners with, mm-hmm. they found that among our entire population, Doctor Mark, seventy percent of our population was food insecurity. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, yeah it's in incredible. the Orlando yeah. market, yep. Central yep. Florida. Yep, and again, that's how, very disturbing. That, that, that is concerning, and, yep. and 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 it is a, a little bit about how they measure it. But that's yep. a very yep. no, none, nonetheless. You can't argue that there's something going on there, yep. right? Yep. And that's a that's Absolutely. a big 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 problem. And you know, the last thing is this big black hole called artificial intelligence. <laughs> and the one comment I'm going to make is, Doctor Mark, is soon am I going to have a robot doing my annual wellness visit? You will not. You will not. I feel. I, hope not. I feel confident in saying that you will not. <laughs> okay. And that uh, I've said it before. I think AI is going to be more beneficial in healthcare than it is in any other region. I agree. And, yep. and uh, I mean, the military. It's going to be helpful to the military, but that that you know kind of gets people yep. all worked up with what is a su- yep. successful military look like. Right. Uh, but in healthcare. Is that the predictive analysis piece, Doctor Mark, that you're talking about exactly, in healthcare? Exactly. Okay. Well, well, it's also it's predictive analysis. Mm-hmm. It's also risk reduction. Um, it's right. really putting a lot of the things that that you saw. You know, like this seems like when this happens, that happens. Well, we don't. There's no more guesswork in it. 
uh, and and picking up errors, medication errors, uh, and you know radiologic evaluations. So there's just a lot of ways it's going to be helpful, and I think uh, the. It's going to continue to grow and evolve with time. For what sure. a great conversation today, Dr. Yeah, Mark. Day. I knew we had a lot to talk about. We have a lot more to talk about, and we'll be back next week. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 